Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are going to talk about the second Star Trek movie that featured the next generation cast, Star Trek First Contact. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the birthday guy, the birthday boy, Carrie Brown, the tech story. And how you doing, man? Good, man. Uh, I'm old, <laughs> but I'm good. <laughs> we all old, bruh. We all old. <laughs> but happy, happy birthday, man. Thanks. Thanks. I'm 36, if anybody was wondering. <laughs> you sound uh, not a day over 24 there, sir. You know, I'm with the Teamsters. <laughs> so let's go down to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and welcome aboard the Trek Storian. Jonathan Shores, how you doing, man? Man, doing good, man. Doing good. Been a while since we've all been together here on the podcast, so I'm excited to talk about Trek again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, speaking of age, I remember back in the day when John used to rag on me for being 25. <laughs> like, quarter yo, of a century. Yo, quarter of a century old butt. You know, like, dude, that's not that old. And uh, now we sit here, what, 15 years later and uh, sigh. <laughs> so, wait a minute. 25 plus 15, that means you're... Oh, the birthday boy got jokes today. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> he's pushing that half century. Hey, what's wrong with half century? <laughs> and that voice you heard that chimed in so furiously is the Who story in Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Well, I tell you, back in the day, I liked being here on this podcast. I tell you, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, back in the day, I tell you, but I am really glad to be here. I'm excited to talk about this, all jokes aside. Awesome sauce. Uh, unfortunately, Jeremy won't be with us tonight, but, you know, uh, well wishes, and we'll see him again uh, on the next cast. But awesome to have everybody on, and um, anything interesting going on in the lives of the Discussing Trek crew? Not much, man. Just surviving and podcasting, I think. I got a job. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's important. <laughs> Definitely glad to hear that, man. Started my first day was today and it was great. Awesome. Nice. Yay. Good birthday present. <laughs> In, indeed it was. Indeed it was. Oh yeah, and my wife bought me a um a Sega Genesis Classic. So that that's awesome. Ah. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I think I I've... can't wait to hack it and put more ROMs on it. <laughs> Is that the thing now everybody gets those remake small mini consoles and just hack hack them all to get oh, out, dude? I bought my I bought my wife a Super Nintendo Classic and I put so many games on it that <laughs> I filled it up with games. Oh man. Well, speaking of games, now that uh John has a capable PC, uh we might have to get on some of that um Bridge wait crew. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Bridge crew. My PC was before was capable. I, like, we're not going to start trashing. Oh, 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 you got to get defensive. Well, you know, no, it wasn't. It I, wasn't capable. I would, I would, I would invite Kyle aboard, but he has a Mac and I don't think games run on those. <laughs> hey, he could do a heck of a spreadsheet, though. <laughs> But see, I was going to give a really good shout out and say, but I'm not going to do it. But I was going to say thank you, Clarence Brown and Carrie, both of you, for bringing 
new tech traditions because I'm really enjoying geeking out on listening to you guys talk. But since, you know, you kind of like <laughs> gave that Max slur, I'm not even going to say all of that. So, so I, I could have given you a shout out, but yeah, it's not going to do it. In Kyle's defense, you can edit video game footage with Final Cut Pro X. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. But I want to give a shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we thank you for being along for this ride. Your support helps this show. If you are listening right now and want to support the show, please head on over to discussingtrek.com slash support, where you can contribute to the show via Patreon or PayPal. So we're going to get into a little news and updates. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and this has been a huge week for Star Trek. Because finally, the long-awaited, well, maybe not long-awaited, but (laughs) much-anticipated fan, um, you know, petitioned (laughs) show looks like it's finally, finally going to make it. And it's not going to be called Star Trek Captain Pike or Star Trek Pike. It's going to be called Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. You asked. We listened. It's happening. Wow, I'm so glad I finally get to share this news with you guys. Speaking just for myself, I have never received more love from a fan base than I have from the Star Trek family. Without you, this wouldn't be happening. So thank you so much. I can't wait to put on that gold Starfleet uniform and deliver number one right along Captain Pike and Spock. It is a huge honor. And it means even more for us to be able to announce this right now at a time when so much of the planet is hurting. The ethos of Star Trek is so curious and welcoming and unifying. And we're going to get to work on a classic Star Trek show that deals with optimism and the future. Here we go. I can't wait. And I guess there's only one more thing to say. Hit it. Uh, CBS All Access announced today a series order for Star Trek Strange New Worlds based on the years of Captain Christopher Pike when he manned the helm of the USS Enterprise. This series will feature fan favorites from season two of Star Trek Discovery. Anson Mount as Captain Christopher Pike. Rebecca Romaine is number one. And Ethan Peck as Science Officer Spock. What do you guys think? So are we finally going to get to see how we got turned into a Dyson vacuum cleaner? <laughs> well they kind of showed that in season two they alluded to it they, they kind of showed that scene already so you know hey <laughs> I felt like there was more there <laughs> you know I, I think this is just a positive you know we hear so much about negative fandoms and you know all the online trolling people do I think this was an example of people reacting positively to something and the creators then responding in a positive way to that positivity because i don't think if you would have had the fan attachment to those three actors in those roles we wouldn't be talking about this announcement because i don't think there would be one right very true very true i think this guy is a better spock than the guy that played him the dude that played siler He's a better Spock than Siler. I thought you were going to say Lunar Nemo. I was going to say no, Blasphemy. No, are you crazy? <laughs> Blasphemy. <laughs> I never say that. Yeah, uh, Siler off of Heroes. Yeah, he was okay. He had kind of had the look, 
But yeah, I love Ethan Peck as Spock. I think he's doing a wonderful job so far. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how they flesh out his character just a little bit more. You know, he's playing a much younger Spock, so I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it so far. And he's given us a different side of Spock, and I think that is what helped make this character work. He didn't pantomime what Leonard Nimoy had done. He did his own thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like Will Smith is a genie. What what I say? What? What? <laughs> so... So what I what I like about this series, um, it's going to be more. And I know we kind of thought this maybe about Picard and all that, but suppose it's going to be more like episodic and optimistic. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. So it's going to be I'm expecting more of a TNG feel. Oh, it's going to be boring. No, I'm just joking. I'm excited about it, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, in this the video announcement, which had um, uh, Mount uh, Rebecca Romaine and uh, Ethan Peck, uh, um, Anson Mount ends the video by saying it's going to be a classic Trek and optimistic and future looking uh, in so many words. And that is um, what I'm looking most most forward to. Like you just said, John, in this series, more of the episodic more of the close ended episodes that leave right. you with that happy feeling that people have been blasphemously running to Orville for shame <laughs> on you. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that I think that's what we're going to get. And it's just going to be awesome to see that formula in a modern lens. And I'm, I'm just all game for that. It may wind up being, end up being one of my favorite of the new shows just because of that happy feeling. Now we can still go to our Picards and our discoveries to get our, you know, long form, uh, multi episode narrative that gets us all into in, in depth into the series and the characters and dissecting and trying to predict. But you know, um, that's just a one different style. That's a different style that some people like, some people hate. So I'm definitely interested to see what they do with this show. Indeed. Two more bits of news. We have news that uh, CBS Viacom uh, is planning to rebrand and relaunch um, CBS all access uh, as an international streaming platform. So I find this interesting. You know, we talked about the merger or the re um, remerger of, of uh, Paramount and, and, um, and CBS Viacom and what that can hold for the series. Like we are already seeing movies pop up uh, that are Paramount centric onto CBS all access. I watched Star Trek first contact on CBS all access. It wasn't there before. So, um, yeah, I'm just interested, interested to see what they do with the service to make it broader. They, they're definitely, you know, if you speak from a technical point of view, there are definitely aspects that they can actually really improve on. I don't think their user interface is all that great. Uh, it's, it's nothing, nowhere as good as Netflix's is. And there's so many things they could do to make their, you know, apps and user interfaces better. And definitely once you get that additional content, I mean, Viacom is huge. Paramount is huge. So once they meld all this stuff together, it should be interesting to see what type of service uh, they land with. Does, does that interest you guys in, in any sense? Well, let me ask you a question real quick. You mentioned the app and the um, interface, and this kind of ties off of that. In the CBS All Access, in the Windows, or what platform did you watch it on? 
I watched it on X. Well, I watched part of it on Xbox, and sometimes I watch it on uh, the PC. Okay, so the reason I ask, I've watched it on Apple TV, and I had to actually search for the movie. I mean, title outside of the app via like the main Apple TV, and still watched it in CBS All Access, but I could not find it searching it on the CBS All Access app. I oh, thought wow. that was kind of weird yeah Mm. i actually had to type in star trek first contact i couldn't just type in star trek and get it i had to like go the full full name Uh, for it so so, and i just searched for first contact so maybe that's why i didn't find it which is really that's i mean that's another you're pointing out another bug of their app the search is crap you know (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i watched it through so i have my cds all access tied in through my amazon prime account so when you when you're searching there, if you go to your CBS All Access like spot there on Amazon Prime, you can't find. I think there's only one movie there at all. Yeah, I searched for it, couldn't find it either. Uh-huh. I had to go through like the general like Amazon right. search to find it. Wow, <laughs> that's trash. Even, even then, when you find it, it, there's no mention anywhere about CBS All Access. Yeah, and I had it was like ad supported, so like right. I had to sit through ads to like actually watch it on Prime Video. I was yeah. kind of bummed about that. Which I think the ad supported version carry was through IMDb um, channel yep. that they have on Amazon. Yeah, they were mostly all IMDb ads. So maybe they don't have the Paramount branded content on the yeah the extension um, Amazon app yet. Which is weird. Um, I think you're really underselling the the rebrand of CBS All Access, and the reason I think that is because this is literally going to become the anti Disney Plus because you're going to have Comedy Central, you're going to have Nickelodeon, you're going to have BET, oh, yeah. Smithsonian, MTV, and of course Paramount Network. So what that means is you're going to have like it says it specifically calls out the Godfather trilogy. Um, there's a new SpongeBob movie coming out, Top Gun, Maverick, like all these paramount movies that are coming out they're going to be on this so and you know i think that's going to be interesting yeah i would say like particularly when you think of uh channels like bt and um uh, mtv there's a whole reality sector of fandom that we don't really you know gravitate to but there are people who love those things and who will come just for that you know so dude I would love to go back and rewatch Living Single, the Black Friends. Like, I would love to go back and watch all those episodes. <laughs> I mean, it, like, I'm not even joking. It's literally, like, Friends is literally Living Single with, with white people in it. But <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> I really agree with you, even yeah. though I hated Friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you make a good point. It's just, again, they are building a should I say Megazord of streaming service, much like they're doing with uh, HBO. Is it HBO Max? The other yep, service? That's coming out later. Yeah, which month. is doing the same. And they've got friends. They've got a bunch of huge stuff coming on their service. And of Dr. course, partner, partnering with HBO. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the battle of the juggernauts. Everybody's <laughs> arms race. <laughs> everybody's coming together to try to take on uh, Netflix, man. That's really what it boils down to. You know what would be nice? What's that, If man? someone created this service that brought all of these together into one place. <laughs> you mean like cable? <laughs> <laughs> like really, is that not we've where gone, we headed? We've gone full circle. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I, I I still think you do have to a certain extent the ability to pick and choose. Um 
and it's I think the huge difference is it's not a contract. You can you can just drop it the next month if you don't want it. People forget that, but that's one of the big draws to these these uh, streaming services, in my opinion. Well, none of your none of your cable services and satellite services now are doing contracts, really. Yeah, because of streaming services. Right. <laughs> nah, they are. They are. But the, they're. It's kind of weird the way they're doing it, though, because like I have UVerse, and um. You 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 get like a year agreement, but they give you like a huge discount on your monthly bill. So like it's actually cheaper for me to just keep cable than to try to like <laughs> go to something else because it's like it's super cheap. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's 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 how they do it. But you know, if if uh, rumors of CBS All Access being dead have been greatly exaggerated, <laughs> that looks like they're going in whole hog with with this new rebrand. And, you know, people remember we talked about that leak. Was it a few weeks back that Star Trek is destroying CBS All Access? Yeah. What happened? Whatever happened to that? So untrue. I mean, because they are going <laughs> full in with this full on. And um, and we'll take that to just um, pivot over to the Star Trek Discovery Season 3 episode leaks episode detail leaks that we got which is really just the episode name again this is a leak this is liable to change it could definitely be discounted <laughs> so take it as they say with a grain of salt but there are a few interesting episode titles in there i think the one that jumped out me the to me the most is uh, episode four and again rumored episode four unification three which that sounds like it's going to have something to do with you know who who knows we're we're way in the future now but the unification one and two had to do with romulus and um spock trying to bring the vulcans and romulus together i'm not quite sure how that can tie directly in 930 years or 40 years in the future but who knows so i find that interesting um you know the hope issue is the name of the first episode title which again i think the hope is going to be michael burnham duh <laughs> but did any of the items on this list jump out at, to any of you guys? I know you've seen it, Cal. Mm. You, you, you know, I could sit here and make 10 different assumptions from 10 different episode titles that I'm looking at. But if there's one thing that I've learned from speculating about Doctor Who episode titles is I'm going to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because, I mean, I'm looking at the Unification 3, and whenever I was hearing you talk, I'm thinking, this is probably the name of a planet, not (laughs) something, you know, that is tied to, you know, to the past. But when we see it, we automatically start talking about it. And I'm wondering if this was really even a quote-unquote unknown leak that maybe they leaked it on purpose just (laughs) to start creating some buzz. Yeah. And who knows? Leaks are leaks and rumors and people make up crap as well. So, I mean, you, you got to take it with a grain of salt, as it were. And, you know, we can we can look at it and kind of um, let our mind race a little bit about what might happen. But, you know, a leak is a leak. So I, I will say this. I do like that the episodes, there's only one known, quote unquote, con, uh, two parter. And this. the others looked at least in title to be. um you know, more episodic. I mean, I'm sure there's an arc, but still you don't have a lot of part ones and part twos other than a one, two part pairing. Yeah. And I'm still going to go with my original um, guess or prediction is that Burnham is going to fall out like a year before everybody else, at least a year before everybody else in time. 
And she's going to have to kind of, you know, go through a year by herself before she meets up with the rest of the crew. Uh, so, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm amped for it. I'm excited and hopefully we can get it sooner than later. So, all right. And we will move right along from the news and get into our review of Star Trek First Contact. I saw the look on your face when you shot those Borg on the holodeck. You were almost enjoying it. How dare you? Oh, come on, Captain. You're not the first man to get a thrill from murdering someone. I see it all the time. Get out! Or what? You'll kill me? Like you killed Ensign Lynch? There was no way to save him. You didn't even try. Where was your involved sensibility then? I don't have time for this. Oh, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your little quest. Captain Ahab has to go hunt his whale. You do have books in the 24th century. This is not about revenge. Liar! This is about saving the future of humanity! John, look, blow up the damn ship! No! No! Star Trek First Contact was released to theaters on November 22nd, 1996. It was directed by Jonathan Frakes. With story by Rick Merman, Ronald D. Moore, and Brandon Braga. With Moore and Braga writing the screenplay. The estimated budget for the film was $45 million with a domestic gross of 92 million with a 30 million opening. So pretty freaking huge and a cumulative worldwide gross of 146 million. And like we mentioned up top, um, if you're listening, and you want to watch it for free. It's available on Amazon prime video with the IMDB TV app or link. And uh, also on CBS all access, you can watch it there. The Borg travel back in time intent on preventing Earth's first contact with an alien species. Captain Picard and his crew pursue them to ensure that Zephyrin Cochran makes his first maiden flight reaching warp speed. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. And we're going to go around the horn and see what you guys think of this second Next Generation movie. Cal Jones, what do you think, man? So overall, I enjoyed it whenever I saw it in theaters. I enjoyed watching it again. I think I was a little bit more nitpicky with it, and I kind of picked it apart going into it with a reviewing brain. But overall, I enjoyed it. So that's my high-end view of it. Dude, huge cred. You saw it in theaters. I'm so jelly. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I from generations forward, I saw all the Star Trek in theaters. Wow, I'm wow. kind of shocked. I didn't. I I knew you liked Star Trek, but I didn't know you were like a go to the movie Star Trek kind of guy. Yep. <laughs> now, not, not for the original series, but 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 from generations forward, yes, I did. Wow, awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, well, John, what about you, man? What do you think? Uh, man, I love this one, which. I guess I love them all. So, <laughs> but uh, I kind of, you know, the the first one gives you that kind of good Star Trek feel and like kind of gives you some throwbacks and it, you know you just really like it because it's just a step above the series. And then this one comes out and it's like I always look watch this one and it's kind of like my all I wanted TNG to be, if that makes any sense. Like mm. that this is like like they got a chance to kind of up everything and not have to keep in line with the season. I don't know if I'm making sense, but that's just kind of how I look at it. Like everything is 
futuristic. Everything is like we're seeing the full capabilities of data. You're seeing the full. So I, 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 this is my like excited movie for TNG. I don't know if that makes sense, but no. But if I hear you right, you're basically saying the production staff, the writers, this is what they could do if they had the money to do it. Right. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. What about you, Carrie? Okay. I have four major like takeaways, I guess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. So like I always rag on Star Trek for cheesy dialogue. There was a lot of cheesy dialogue in this movie. There was quite a bit. Really? I feel like, I feel like, there was quite a bit. Um, like there was one where Picard was like, "The rumors of my assimilation were greatly exaggerated." <laughs> yeah, I was like what? <laughs> it was like a throwback to like a call out from like Mark was, Twain or something. It, it was, was cool. I know it was a throwback, but it was still cheesy as I don't know what. Um, I just giggled when he said it. Um, <laughs> the other thing, the other thing about Picard in particular is like. He looks really young in this movie, but he's 56 years old. He looks so like, young. He looks super young. I hope I look that good when I'm <laughs> when I'm 56. Not mean that in the most manly way possible, but like <laughs> dude is like he looks amazing for to be that old. Like I mean, I was just I couldn't believe he was 50. Like if he didn't have that gray hair in the back of his head, like he would I would never have guessed that he was that old wow, or I, even older. I didn't realize he was 56. But it's it's sort of like the same thing with Shatner in Generations. To me, Shatner looked like he was in great shape, but I think he was like sixty something at the time. So yeah, oh, wow. I mean, I I totally get it, man. I totally get it. Picard looks fantastic in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, third thing that jumped out to me were the special effects. I was really impressed for this being a fourteen year old movie. Fourteen? No, twenty four year old movie. Excuse me. For being 24 years old, I was really impressed by the special effects. To me, the only one that was really bad was the um, the uh, beaming special effect. It just looked like hand-drawn or something. Like That was the only one to me that was bad. But like all of the ships, the Borg fight at the beginning of the movie, like all that stuff looked amazing. Like Even by today's standards, I, I, it looked like they were using a lot of practical effects, but it looked great. I was really impressed. Um, and the other thing that jumped out to me was... That everybody, you even you guys, kind of act like Star Trek is like this wholesome kitty family thing, but there was there was like android Borgs like suggested sex in this movie, very very suggestive. Um, there was Picard mowing down, like <laughs> shooting the Tommy gun in like a crowd of people. Um, and they're like, I even heard some cursing in it, and I was like, I was kind of surprised about the cursing, but I was like. This, you know, this is the 90s. This is 1996. Yeah. Like that's a P- for a PG-13 movie. That's pretty risque, I think. Yeah. In 96. Well, this was the first time that they rated a Star Trek movie at all. So in the PG-13, it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I felt like for for the franchise, I feel like that was kind of like edgy. I mean, if you think about the time it yeah. came out. Yeah. So. Yeah, those are my takeaways. Certainly, and I mean honestly, I, I kind of agree with everything you guys said. Um, to me, in a sense, it felt like a. Although I loved everything in it, it felt like a paint by numbers Star Trek Next Generation movie. Oh, we gotta have a holodeck scene. We gotta have some cool space scene. We gotta do this. We got you know. I feel like in a, in a sense, in a sense, they were checking boxes. But that being said, I love I still dearly love 95 percent of what they did. 
Um, yep. I'm going to back carry up on the special effects. The special effects were fantastic and we'll get into it. But the the look of the Enterprise E, um, you know, it felt a little space odyssey when they were at the deflector dish. They did a lot of they really went for it. Let's make a movie that feels like TNG, but crack everything to 11. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I really enjoyed it. You know, overall, I thought it was great. Yeah. So let's jump right into the fact that Picard was once Lacutus of Borg and he has like this nightmare sequence at the very beginning. So uh, any thoughts and we'll, we'll just talk about overall the look of the Borg in this episode. Uh, any thoughts on the look and feel of the Borg in this episode? How, how did the translation to the big screen feel to you guys? Seeing the Borg cube arrive on the big screen, I remember that being like one of the reasons I wanted to go see the movie because just the scope of being able to see that on the big screen and they delivered with that. So, you know, A plus, good job in my opinion. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Again, yeah. this is not. This is twenty four years ago. So yeah. You, you know, you got to judge it off of twenty four years ago standards. And you got to see it in a theater, so that I mean <laughs> that that makes a big difference. Even if it's twenty four years ago, it's still a big difference. Yeah. Like to me, um, as far as the Borg are concerned, I thought the designs were interesting. I don't want to say they. No, I'm. I, that's not even going to come out right. But one thing I will say is there were a couple scenes where it was like foggy and their little like um, lasers were oh, like pointing beautiful. through the fog. Beautiful. And it kind of reminded me of the scene in like, um, what is the movie? Uh, uh, Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. Vader. Vader, Vader and Rogue One. Like, it completely reminded me of that. And also reminded me of like maybe in like a war or action movie where you have like a group of like Navy SEALs or something and they're like going through a hallway and they have like laser sights on their guns. Like it. I, I totally got like that same reaction of like something's about to go down. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was such a beautiful scene, man. And I had the same exact thoughts of Rogue One <laughs> that you did. So it's funny you say that. So, I, you know, watching this on Amazon Prime, you have like that little x-ray part where it kind of gives you general trivia. And so I found this interesting on when the, we're going through that scene, that particular scene. No, I think it was the one where uh, they were installing the eyepiece on the board. Uh, in the x-ray, it says that eyepiece was actually a canopy of a TIE fighter toy. Yeah, wow. I read that. Wow. I read, <laughs> I read that somewhere. That's freaking cool. And, like John mentioned x-ray. I want to mention something else about x-ray. Like, and it's one reason I really like watching movies on Amazon on Prime Video. If you pause it. It'll show you the actors in the scene that's right. happening. Like yeah. it'll tell you their names and everything. I thought I think that's really cool. Yeah. And and as far as the board go, I'll just add like that first initial premonition that Picard has where it kind of shows I think they do like a reshoot of some of the stuff that was in um Best of Both Worlds one and two. But they show him and they kind of pan out and show they show more of the Borg cube than we usually get. You know, it felt a little bit like the Picard show where they, you know, they went to great lengths to try to flush out how Borg Cube looks. If just just a little bit, just a little bit, not much, but you know, I kind of get the sense of where they're going with that. You know, I really appreciated that, and yeah, yeah, I, I really, really loved what they did with the Borg. And also, I'll add another bit of trivia that um, all of the things they did for the Borg 
in this movie, they reused a lot of that on Voyager, like the the costumes and stuff for this movie. It was definitely used throughout Voyager. Nice. And speaking of Voyager, a lot of the um, a lot of the sets, specifically like the, uh, the um, sick bay. bay, yeah, was, redress was, of the was Voyager set. Yes, yeah. Which I'm like, this looks just that like that scene Voyager. was so awesome. The Doc Robert Picardo is awesome. <laughs> Go ahead, Gary. Oh, like I was not expecting that at all because, like, I was like, what? What is he doing? And then I had to actually look up. Like, Voyager started in '95 and this movie came out in '96, yep. so it fits. And I di- I didn't realize that it came out after Voyager. Voyager was already out, so like that really just completely <laughs> floored me. I was like, "What is he doing on this?" Yep, certainly. Oh, another bit of trivia: What other Star Trek Voyager actor was in this movie? I know, I know, I know too. All right, so you go. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know her name right offhand, but the Borg Queen. Uh, that's not the one I was thinking about, but yes, that's true too. <laughs> I, he was in the holodeck scene, and he would go. Uh, well, I can't remember See his name. With the fake nose, yeah, Mr. But, 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 but he was Neelix. Yeah, Ethan Phillips was yeah. the guy oh, at the holodeck when they first walk in, spazzing out. I oh. did not know that. Yeah, freaking awesome, man. But yeah, I think the wow. doc, the doc made my day, man. I was like, this is so cool. I'm a yeah. doctor, not a doorstop. <laughs> So freaking good. I really enjoyed that scene. So let's, you know, we're, we're talking about look and feel, some aesthetic stuff. So let's just get into the look of the new and improved Enterprise, Enterprise E. Um, <laughs> let's talk about that. Uh, what did you guys think of how the bridge looked? And I'll get my opinion real quick first. The bridge felt a little bit too busy. It felt like too much stuff was going on on the bridge. But overall, I thought it was okay. And maybe, you know, just talk about other parts of the ship that we kind of dove into that um, you thought were awesome or just kind of crappy. Um, The engineering. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so funny. Like th- that whole scene, I thought it was cool seeing Jordy or whatever. But like that whole scene where he's like, <laughs> check the air conditioner. It's warm in here. <laughs> I was like, what? And, you know, of course, later it makes sense. But it's like, what? That's kind of like random. <laughs> Yeah, he said, "Check the air conditioner." <laughs> well, he he's like, "Check the climate controller." He's just, yeah. he's just something like that. <laughs> Check the climate settings. It's kind of warm in here. <laughs> but you know, you talk about the engineering. I I love the vastness of it. I think yeah. they, I think they kind of riffed on what was going on in Voyager because I think Voyager was the first one that just looked massive and huge and open. Uh, whereas the uh, Enterprise, the the uh, TNG. Uh, engine room felt very kind of claustrophobic in a sense but they mm-hmm. very much open it up and they just make it grandiose and I, I loved all of that man yeah, yeah. I, I, my, yes. I, I just love and I guess what I love most about it is the external appearance of it oh so beautiful <laughs> Yeah, that that's what gets me about the Enterprise E every time we see it it's the it's just it looks bad A just a sense of scale for me like like you don't really get that sense of scale in the television shows because there's only like one or two sets yeah. and you know like it like you were saying Clarence like the the sense of scale like you really get the feeling that these starships are huge even like the like you were saying about the Borg cube like just ginormous yeah you know they're just huge and that they really brought that across I feel like and I think you see that the most and I 
don't want to jump too far ahead. But, oh, we can. We let's do it, man. We're in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in the in the Earth battle with the cube, and you see my favorite ship of all time, the Defiant. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh man, I love that little ship. I know it's not Little Wharf, but it's okay. <laughs> little ship. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, kind of the the I, man, and I know this is kind of almost like cliche type. Like you just know this is going. This is the way it's going to go down. But, you know, Defiance in jeopardy and they don't know what they're going to do. And then all of a sudden, sensors, there's the Enterprise. And yeah. then it kind of goes in front of the Defiant. Like, that showed me, like, just the physical, like, just how big the Enterprise is. So, so they they said it in the story. And I looked up and found what that equals in miles. It's 700 meters long. And that translates to basically half a mile. Oh, Wow. wow. And it, did he say it was 26 floors something like that? <laughs> 26 decks. Yeah. Indeed he did. <clears throat> yeah, man. But just the look of the Enterprise, e, it, it, to me, that is the design. You know, we talked about in the comic reviews of the Verity. And I, it, you mentioned the ship on Picard at the end that um, Riker was in. Well, they basically were all the same model. But to me, so far in canon, every ship, at least as far as the films in the show, Every ship that we've got since is kind of based off that Enterprise E yeah. um, in the movies and the television shows uh, or canon, I'll say, or uh, Picard slash the movies. I know there's different ships in different media, but but as far as what we see on screen, it seems like everything follows that Enterprise E design, which I think, you know, again, just a beautiful design, beautiful design. I will say that bridge, though, to me, did feel sort of like how I described the current Doctor Who TARDIS console very crowded. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they, they had two it, everybody was just too close to each other. <laughs> too much stuff going on, man. Man, uh, it, it's nice. Uh you know, just the the final thought. So this was the first ship of what they call the sovereign class. And it so and I don't I don't know this for a fact, but you know Voyager was intrepid class, supposed to be the first ship of the intrepid class. Yeah. I'm, this kind of seems like an update of that. Like, if you get like, it's more of a narrow, aerodynamic yeah. type look. And I, it, I mean, it just seems like everybody pretty much followed the same class. I don't know what what the other class of the other ships were after this, but it looks like it was all the same class. Yeah, to me, like stylistically, the only thing that really s- makes Voyager feel a lot different is the nacelles aren't as prominent, in my opinion. Right. But yeah, and they got the cheesy mechanical. Like unnecessary lift. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as long as we're still talking about aesthetics, let's let's get into some of the look and feel of the crew, and we're going to dive into the story. But we <laughs> talk about the look and feel first, and let's talk about you know what do we feel about these new um, upper but quarter third gray uniforms with the color underneath? What do you guys think of these uniform designs? I, I love they're them. pretty sleek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For me, I thought they were a huge step up from what they wore in the last movie. You know, in the last movie, it just felt like they were wearing what was on the show, which is fine, but it didn't feel very movie like. And I feel like, you know, in, again, even though these uniforms are on DS9, um, I felt like it made it feel distinct and different. You know, new ship, new uniforms. Uh, it really feels like we're into a movie here. Yep, agreed. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. let's let's get let's let's get a little bit of the uh, actual characters look and feel. Uh, Jordy Sands Visor, 
Different haircut. He looks so different. <laughs> it was weird seeing his eyes. Like, I, I, it was so weird to me. It, it, it was kind of freaking me out, especially when they would like zoom into his face when he was focusing on something. He'd be like, Jesus. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's crazy seeing that because, you, you know, in the last movie, so you know you don't need those now, right? Like, I. I forget uh what's the guy's name? LeVar Burton. Yeah. No, no, not LeVar Burton. Who was the AKA villain? Oh and wow. Dr. Song. So- Dr. Song. Yeah. No, it was Sora Sorin. Sorin Sorin. Yeah. You know, he tells him that he doesn't have to have that visor now or something to the to that effect. And then all of a sudden in this movie he goes without it. Yeah. So like I guess he struck a chord then that made him want to do want to do this. But I'm I'm all for it. I I, I was never really I mean, I love this concept of the visor, but it's kind of like, I mean, we're in Star Trek. Like, <laughs> all the things we can do, and you're, you're wearing a visor. Like, it, it was weird. So, I was I, I was all for this. It was cool. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think I think I read this somewhere where he, he's been wanting to ditch the visor, you know, for years. And they never let him do it until now, which I thought wow. that's cool. Uh, another quick few observations. Gates was fatten, fatten. Hair is a lot brighter, which just feels mm-hmm. weird. And uh, Troy's hair is a lot brighter as well. You know, it's not yeah, the jet black. That. This is the I look that I know her that. for. Uh, this is I, I I equate this look to being her more than I even the look of TNG because you know when I was heavy into Voyager, she made appearances on Voyager, and this is the look she had, the same exact look. So um, yeah, yeah, I love that her new look in this. So um, we're going to go ahead and get the story, I guess. Well, I want to say this real quick before we go ahead and get into the plot details a little bit more. Uh, please take a drink for every time you hear the words Mr. Hawk. Mr. Hawk got on my nerves. Oh, my God. Let's establish this new crew member by saying <laughs> pilot. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think he was a hillsman. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Let's just say his name a lot. So you remember when he turns <laughs> Borg and tries to kill Picard. <laughs> and where else have I seen that actor? He looks so freaking familiar. You know, he got on my nerves so much I didn't even look up his name, but he does look <laughs> familiar. Maybe we can Google it real quick. Neil McDonough. Hmm. What is he, he on? Is, he is on a bunch of stuff. He looks familiar. Hmm. Uh, Band of Brothers, uh, Boomtown, Suits, Justified, Mob City, Desperate Housewives. Yeah, he's been on a bunch of stuff. I think that's where I know him from. And no, I did not watch all the Desperate Housewives, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where I've seen his face before. The suits thing. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I just <laughs> so anyway, keep going. So yeah, let's, let's good. I like that show. Let's go ahead and get into some of the plot. So Picard receives an incoming transmission from Starfleet Command. Oh, we see Borg headed toward Earth, but don't you go. We want you to <laughs> we want you to go to the Rumbling border, um, neutral zone and not participate in this, but but of course, you know, um, Picard has ties to the Borg. Are they really justified in thinking that he would turn so quickly? Uh, or maybe it was something within him that they could trigger? Like, didn't that just feel weird to you guys by sending them away? It didn't for me. Like, I was okay with it. I Because not necessarily that you thought he made change or triggers. It's, it's just there's a weakness to exploit. And you kind of see that by him, like, He's kind of starting to hear those voices, and you know, I, mean, I mean, it sounds funny, but he is. And I hear like, them. Like, there's a, that's a weakness. Like, that's a that's a, a 
place where the boar can get in. And they're not sure if he can he can resist that resistance is futile. I don't know. Yeah, I got I got to agree with you there. I, I I see that more as you don't know what you don't know, and they don't know if he could be turned or have a weakness that was exploited. So no, that didn't really feel weird to me. Oh, now man. sending him all the way to the neutral zone, like especially the most advanced ship Your in the flagship. fleet, they should have said Riker take over. Drop Picard off at Starbase, whatever, and then go get in the fight. Like, cause we need, we need Picard's advice. So he needs to be somewhere making the decisions and Riker needs to have a ship in the battle. Yeah. That's like the best ship you got. You sending it away. I, I, I don't understand. I just giggled cause like five minutes later, they were all getting destroyed. <laughs> it was like, that was a bad decision. You probably should have had them there. <laughs> Yeah, so Kerry, you just mentioned it. Uh, Picard and crew listened to the transmission of the initial attack. Everybody, <laughs> everybody's getting destroyed. Oh, and they give like the quintessential, <laughs> the quintessential Star Trek speech. I'm about to defy orders. <laughs> if you if yeah. if you don't like what I'm doing, you better speak up now, and I'll note it. But we doing this thing basically. <laughs> Yeah, that was just, to me, that was another fan service for Data to be able to say, you know, to hell with it. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah. his oblique moment from the last movie. So we already talked about, you know, we get there, we talked about the Enterprise making its entrance, Worf in his little ship. Um, <laughs> so cool thing here, and I read this somewhere, that the Defiant was originally supposed to be destroyed in this battle. but Wow. Uh, was it was it Berman? It was one. Of, it was it Berman. One of the uh, writers thought it was such a cool ship that they didn't want to see it get destroyed. Which yay, because that's like I'm like you, John. That's one of my favorite little ships. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, I get tired of hearing, <laughs> and it's like they make it a point to say this almost every time the Defiance in battle. Someone says it's a tough little ship. Like they make it a point to say it's a tough ship. Like I know it's tough, but. We have to hear it every time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the Federation pretty much handed to the board. Surprising, right? Um, and and uh, in a scene very reminiscent to what we see at the end of, of Voyager, in my opinion, maybe they still copped it directly from this scene. We see this, the Borg sphere emerge like a child from his mother's womb. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> From the board cube. <laughs> Surprising? Awesome? What did you guys think? <laughs> I was like, there's a smaller one? <laughs> I just thought it was the tip. <laughs> it just seemed all, like it was plot. Like, that was one of the only things I had a problem with in this movie. I, I, I guess the queen or whatever could have been in that. She just could have been driving the ship from that part, I guess. But. As huge as that that thing was, I guess they just would have had the 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 chosen ones in that area of the ship because there's no way they're evacuating to that because the cube is just too big. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean again, like the only reason I really like it because it's kind of reminiscent of when the you know it's kind of a flip on what happens at the end of Voyager. Voyager spoilers here. When the sphere emerges, it's a sphere, not a cube, emerges from the conduit at the very end. And then the Voyager comes out of the uh, the uh, sphere, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's kind of like the exact, they flipped the exact same concept and had the Voyager come through. So I liked it for that reason, if nothing else. 
Well, you, I mean, the, the sphere. I, I, I do. I like the scene, and I like the scene in Voyager. I like the scene here. Uh, maybe used too much in Borg lore, but I mean, I, I do like it, and I can. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Queen is always on a sphere. Interesting. I did not know Just, that. Uh, even when you see in Voyager when they're traveling, she's on a sphere. Uh, it's been a couple of situations where you've seen her and it's kind of panned out and it made to look as though she was on a sphere. Uh, but that sphere is actually pretty big. So on at the beginning of his movie, the very first shot where you see Picard in his uh, cubicle or whatever they call it, thing, <laughs> and it zoom out. <laughs> I couldn't say I can't. Well, alcove, that's what it is. And they zoom out. He's actually in a sphere. And that kind of yeah. shows you the the mass, I mean, the size of that sphere. So could they all evacuate to it? I think possible. I don't think that whole cube is exactly full of Borg. Mm. I don't know. We saw a lot of them fly out when they got torched in Picard. Yeah, true. <laughs> no. So let's let's pivot into when the sphere actually starts to create the temporal vortex am i actually guys because this is like one of my favorite uh. scenes well let's, 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 let's hold on for a second this is one of my favorite <laughs> scenes of the movie and because i feel like it takes the marty mcfly polaroid uh concept and does something inter- interesting with it where they're in the temporal wake and they're they're separate from that time space and they get to actually visually see what happens to earth I think that was like a very interesting spin on the whole, and I'm calling in the Marty McFly picture thing where they can like see what happens before they actually go into the past. So I like that. I just wanted to bring it up. Hmm. Yeah. One thing about that whole scene that just kind of like made me giggle. I'm not even going to say I didn't like it, but it made me giggle because I'm, I'm, I'm watching the scene. They fly in the vortex or whatever it's called. They see the the assimilated Earth, and I'm thinking to myself, how are they still there? And then somebody in the crew is like, hey, how are we still here? How are we still alive? And they just like kind of come up with this off-the-shoulder <laughs> explanation for it. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, all right. They, said, okay. they do that a lot. And it got on <laughs> yeah. my nerves, too. Like, for instance, and I'm going to give another example of what I feel is the same thing. So at the end of the movie, they get back on the ship, and they're – uh, they're ready to go home. So Jordy, Jordy just comes up with this random phrase to say, oh, I copied the Borg's temporal vortex and I've calibrated the engine. <laughs> Set a course for a home and engage. What? <laughs> Can we just do this when we want to now? Like time travel acquired. Listen, I thought you had to like spin one... off the sun or something to do this. Come on, at least. I don't know. I'm that's sorry. one of the weak points in Trick, man. When they get into this time travel thing, like and my my thing is to, like, yeah, why didn't they, why did they wait until now to go back in time in the simulator? Like yes. they didn't think about it until their cube got blown up. Like, yeah, see, that was the thing that just kind of made the story fall apart for a second for me was because you present it as the Borg have reached Federation space, as in here they are, they're coming for Federation space. But now, all of a sudden, because their ship gets blown up, the sphere decides, oh, we're going to go back in the past. That that just yeah. d- didn't well, see, make I sense. Looked at it as, I looked at it in a different way. Like, I think that was the ultimate plan in, in the beginning. Like, there's no way they expected one cube to, 
like do any major damage. I don't to know. They were right doing a pretty good job until the Enterprise showed up. They was mm-hmm. right, but I mean, they had to know that the Enterprise was around. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I the board. I don't think the board just all willy nilly said, "Let's go attack Earth." But but, well, you want you want to know what the huge plot hole in that is? All they had to do was in the Delta Quadrant, go to the past, and just travel. It would have been no ship that could have stopped them. Why make this big grandstand scene of, oh, getting past Federation enemy lines, get the Earth, and then go to the past? They could have went to the past in the Delta Quadrant and just traveled there. It made no sense for them to get right on the doorstep unless I'm missing something. No, you know, well, you want to know what you're missing? You're missing the fact that. Part of the writers wanted to do a time travel story. Part of the writers <laughs> wanted to do a Borg story, and they compromised and did a both story. Seriously, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I'm not joking. That's literally what happened. Oh, I'm really? not crazy about time travel because it always makes my head hurt. Not because <laughs> I'm confused, but because I can never resolve all the plot holes, and it just eats at me. Like, yeah. But other than that. You know, I was okay with everything else considering, you know, what I just kind of accepted it because that's really all you can do. Yeah. And, and of course, we're being nitpicky about travel. it. <laughs> we're being nitpicky. I mean, that's kind of what we're here for. But yeah, we all say we love the movie, but we could be critical of some things that don't quite make sense. And time travel seldom does. Um, Hey, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Come on now. Says the Whovian. Okay. Says the comic says the comic book guy. <laughs> so Carol, how does time travel make sense? How do we understand time travel? It's a it's a uh it's a, it's a quite simple. It's just a big ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. So you just <laughs> threw him up a T ball and you just say it's okay. My hat's off to you. <laughs> so as the title implies, the Borg are attempting to prevent first contact. With the human race first, when the human race first achieves warp travel, warp travel, not warp travel, warp travel, <laughs> <laughs> and are greeted by the Vulcans. Um, good plan, I think. I think it's a good plan, but again, like I go back to my big big plot hole. They should have did that in the Delta Quadrant and then came over, and nobody would have known they tried to execute this plan. Um, so Picard and crew beam to the surface after they have followed the temporal wake to the past. Um, they, they, they blew up the board sphere and then they go to the surface to see what they were actually firing at. And they, they see that the Borg sphere was attempting to prevent again, like I mentioned, uh, the first warp flight by Zephyr and Cochran with the Phoenix that actually got them on the, on the map to get recognized by the Vulcans for the first contact situation. So they beam to the surface and try to make things right. And, you know, God, again, we have the Whovian on board. They commit so many things wrong by going to the surface. You know, they all, I guess they already say that the prime directive has been broken, but dude, they do so many things that are so wrong. Like, <laughs> hey, oh, there's a statue of you right here peering out over the valley. Jordy, why are you telling this dude that? Why, dude, let's beam her back to the ship. It's okay. I'll drug her so she doesn't wake up. <laughs> what? Now, 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 that I was good. I mean, I, I was actually fine with that. <laughs> you know, sending her back. and Because, I mean, I was good with that. But, yeah, the whole hero worship. And I think what they were trying to go for there was to show that sometimes we idolize people, you know, in history and make them this fantastical 
being of themselves that they never really, really were. And I think that's what they were trying to show. But as far as from a time travel, they bleeped up everything they did with the things that they did. Mikhail, you know what surprises me about that, what you just said? Nobody looked at this old, drunk, like, bum and was like, this is him? This is is it? Like, nobody? Nobody was surprised to see him be, like, basically a, a, a drunk yeah, I think like, I think Will kind of gave him the stink eye when he was getting Troy drunk. Oh, that's because he was flirting with his woman. That's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the dude ran away. I don't know, man. They commit so many. So, uh, well, well, let me frame it a little bit. I mean, I think first when Picard is on the surface and they're all talking, I think at first it was for a benefit of the audience. You got to remember this is going to the movies, and of course, the Star Trek fans are going to see it. But I think a lot of the early exposition when they were first on the planet was for the benefit of the the audience. Oh, this is the first warp flight. And they were touching the Phoenix and stuff. Um, But they definitely started to cross that line where it went into the realm of hero worship a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Jordy was like (laughs) geeking out left, right and center. Yeah. And and no matter who you are, if somebody comes to me and I'm like, you know, uh, in my first computer science class, oh, you're going to be the next uh, Steve Jobs. You're going to create this and that. And huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, while I think it was good for yeah. the audience to get a lot of this information, because a lot of audience, you know, if you're not watching Star Trek, you probably don't know who Zephyr Co- Cochran is, you know, we know. But well, let me ask this. Do we know at this point? Like, good question. <laughs> Because I don't question. think we actually. Like, I we, didn't know. We we've and heard by this point. We've heard of Zip, we've heard the name Zephyrin Cochran when they were talking about the warp engines, but we never really heard much else. The only reason in I think, and I could be wrong, but the only time we, other than this and later episodes, the only other time we hear about Zephyrin Cochran in detail is on Enterprise. Well, 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 well. Let me back up a little bit. We do hear about him on TOS. So. There's a whole episode, a very bad episode that I don't recommend you watch. <laughs> this, this is one of the few times I'm going to say it was a really bad episode, in my opinion. I'm sure somebody listening is going to prove me wrong. Is it called Premonitions? I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, it's a whole episode about uh, Zephyr and Cochran um, getting, I guess, not captured. He he's, he's Well, basically, he's on a planet. It's just him living on a planet with his alien. And to me, it's just a bad episode, but it's like 150 years after he should have been dead. Uh, um, it's weird. Go watch it. Go watch it. Don't say I didn't warn you. It's really weird, but it is a TOS season two TOS episode. Hmm. Well, most of the people that were watching this movie probably were not. True. I agree with you. You know, I agree with you. So I think that's because I remember I remember watching Enterprise, the like the Zephyr and Cochran episode on Enterprise. And I was comparing it to this. Me too. Trying to see if it would line up. I got. I don't know, man. Like as far as like me being a non Star Trek person who didn't really know who Zephyr Cochran was, even with that, I felt like they laid it on a little thick. Because like I mean, the thing that was off putting to me about the those whole like hero worship scenes was these are a bunch of Starfleet officers, like the best of the best, like, <laughs> and they're geeking out like a bunch they of schoolgirls. Well, I like, mean. They, the, uh, the, uh, the, it's, it's, 
it's probably equivalent to us for seeing seeing Barack Obama. You know, I get it. This dude's space Jesus. Like I get it, but like <laughs> it just seemed a little much for me. Yeah. Go ahead, Cal. No, no, no. I was just going to kind of follow up and agree with Carrie. The only one that really bothered me again was Jordy. Everyone else seemed to have their moment and then be done with it. Move on, yeah. But he just kept on and on. I and don't I was know. Like, Dude, come on. Riker did. I don't think he overdid it. I My high school's named after you. <laughs> I know Riker was kind of saying way too, because he gives him that quote and he's like, Who said that dumb stuff? You said <laughs> like, oh, Now that was actually pretty helpful though. It was, but still. Come on. That man. was pretty helpful. You can't be getting I mean, his man quotes he's gonna make in ten years. Come on. Have I mean, you not watched the episode of Doctor Who? Even mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Z knows better than this. Trunks comes back from the future and he's like, don't tell Vegeta that I'm his son <laughs> or I might not be born. And this is like a cartoon that came so out me, around the same time. Come so on, me, Star Trek. Let me pause this. What if what if they hadn't done that? And he like, what if they are the reason he did this? So like, he wouldn't have had that quote if Riker hadn't given that quote. Now you're hurt. Now you're making your head hurt. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, I, I I have to say this since Carrie said the Vegeta thing. I know a character who named her daughter after her daughter. Enough said. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's like who knows what really was supposed to happen. I was like, if they go look at the history books. Like prior to this, would you go? Would you see Jordy and Riker's picture in the cockpit before this, and they just never noticed it? It ah, time is my brain is hurting already. But but, <laughs> but but let me go back and say the TOS episode with Zephyr Cochran in is metaf- metamorphosis, and a sh- in the episode. Well, I'm gonna read the byline here. In the episode, a shuttle crew from the USS Enterprise encounters a man out of history and his mysterious alien companion. So if that's amped enough to get you, go watch it. Don't watch it, but yeah. Ooh, yeah, let's do it. So, John, real quick, you talked about the TO, the uh, Enterprise episode. How do the Borg, because I know there's an episode where the Borg somehow remain on Earth and they're a part of the episode. Uh, do you remember what else happens in that plot? Because I can't remember, like, did they, like, fall through space? Like, how did they actually get on Earth? I don't remember distinctly. Oh, Wait. On Enterprise? Yeah, there was an episode of Enterprise where Borg from this event landed on Earth or were left on Earth. Okay, maybe I'm talking out my tail. No, you, you, you're right. I just don't remember that episode. Hmm, it's been so long since I've seen it. I know Jeremy recently rewatched, so maybe we can ask him when he's on again. Yeah, but... I don't know. But, so, um, obviously we see where the Borg have kind of outsmarted Picard here and they're a little ahead of the game um so my question is so we want we, we figure out that the borg have transported aboard the enterprise and have started setting up shop basically uh why, why wouldn't their shields be up I, thank I, you and, and i know they're that, organic life forms how did they not detect them like th- that made no sense either like <sighs> it's not like they snuck in a crate on a like a, a cruise ship like this is a freaking they even they even went out of the way to explain how like sophisticated the ship was because the lady was like, "Oh, this isn't glass. There's no glass." Yeah, and and, and then they just, uh. now now there is I think there's established canon maybe after this where no it, I think it's in the in the um, the Huey episode 
But I think they can penetrate shields, but they went out of their way to say that their shields were down when that happened. I'm like, why so would why would your shields be da- shields be down and you're firing volleys at the enemy? I don't get it. Well, one of the weaknesses of Federation ships is when they're firing, their shields drop. What? I've never heard this. <sighs> Question. Question. I've said it a few times. Question. Huh. So you mean to tell me Jordy and Riker can track a dude running through a thick forest? But they can't detect the Borg beaming on their ship. Thank you. Mm. They were. I see his life form. He's right there. Let's go get him. <laughs> they were a little preoccupied and, with preserving history. Uh, uh, Carrie, come on, man. They were. They, 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 they realized. They realized Cochrane was on the planet, and they were so geeked out that they didn't yeah, even pay the attention. The fanboy took over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we don't have time for this. Shoot them. Yeah. So uh, we get back to the ship. We see Picard, who usually is very compassionate, you know, being (laughs) being cold and callous when talking about uh, firing upon the former crewmates. Uh, it goes without saying, but was this out of character? Let's talk about this specific event and then maybe about what the the rest of what we see from Patrick Stewart slash Picard in this episode. It seems like he's went, gone from the, the gentle, um, smart, reserved guy into the swashbuckling Captain Hero movie guy in this this movie. Thoughts? I think he yeah. had to. Yeah. <sighs> Like, he's been through this. Like, he's been assimilated. Like, he knows how this is going to turn out. Like, he knows that, I mean, there's no time for emotion and comforting and concern. Like, there's time for immediate, direct action, and he has to do it. Like, because he knows firsthand experience, number one, what it feels like to be assimilated, what happens after the fact, and what happens when the board, like, takes over. Like, he knows this. Okay, speaking of Picard, this is my other question about things that don't make sense. So they shoot five shots at these things with phasers, and then they can they can adjust. But he kills them with a holodeck Tommy gun. <laughs> it's not even a real gun. <sighs> that whole holodeck scene needed to go, man. I turned the safety off. <laughs> that needed to, that that was the dumbest part it of this movie. Me, it reminded me of that episode in Picard. What was it called? Um. Oh, I know the speed. Yeah. The Stardust Speedway. No, that's Sonic. I said Stardust Speedway. Stardust something. City Rag. Yeah, Stardust. Yeah, City that Rag. one. It reminded me of him in that one. It was kind of just cheese ball, like the whole thing. So they Get never rid- really explain how ho- holographic weapons can kill actual people in the holodeck. They always explain it by saying, "I turn we turn their safeties off." So I mean, I do, <laughs> I do have a problem with that now. I don't have a problem with why tummy gun bullets could kill the Borg when favorites. But they weren't can't. real. They weren't yeah. real. And, yeah. and they want you to believe that when they turn the safeties off, that the bullets are weak, are real. So if you can but get that, were. if you can just force yourself to believe that, then you can go with the rest. So so get this, Gary. A, ho- a holographic thing has weight and mass. Uh, the only thing that the safeties do is prevent it from making contact and killing the person. With safeties off, it's going to penetrate you just like a real bullet. 
that being said, why did it penetrate a Borg? I, I get that. I get you saying that. Yeah. And and they say hologra- holograms are force fields in light. So, you know, you can touch a force field. A force field can yeah. affect you physically. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you guys all that. I'll give you guys all that. Okay. I, all right. Let's let's say what you guys are saying is established in the canon. I'm, I'm sure it is, but I'm just saying for the sake of argument, let's say all of that is true. Why didn't they try to utilize that to kill the rest of the Borg on a ship? It was just like, oh, I killed two Borg. Okay, let's let's go do something else. Like, hey, we've been having problems killing these guys, and I just found a way to kill them. And yeah, next, yeah. next scene. That's weird. Like, they could have went and replicated some projectile bullets. Like, uh, there's been a couple other times where we've seen an engagement with a Borg, and somebody's come up with, like, projectile so weapons kinetic but, kinetic ammo works on right. it, not like, like right. they, they should know this oh my god <laughs> they should it's kind of important <laughs> yeah so let's let's talk about um alfie woodard sloan what are our thoughts on her and her taking oh cal wants to jump in here and her taking picard to task what do we think I, about her in this movie i thought she's fantastic but what about i it, loved her character. i just kept waiting for him to say don't shoot me ralphie Cal, <laughs> <laughs> so i really really liked her i i love her as an actress i've liked pretty much everything i've ever or i think everything i've ever seen her in i like the actress so uh, you know that right there says i'm going to like this character I liked how well she adapted quickly. She had her moment of freaking out, but then she went and kind of came level-headed. And Mm -hmm. I think she called him on several things that I liked her doing. Um, I thought it was a little bit of out of character for him to allow this person that is basically, in their eyes, a primitive minus 200, 300 years, however many years it was, that she was able to call him on so much stuff so easily. That being said, I did like their interactions and I liked her character. So is she basically a Bond girl in this movie? They didn't kiss, and I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> he kissed her on the cheek. Yeah, but not. Yeah, but, yeah but that's different. I was expecting them to have the you know, embrace. Some- there were some loving eyes thrown back and forth. I mean, yeah, ve- I'm talking Star Trek version of, of Bond Girl. <laughs> yeah, very, very Bond Girlish. I will give you that. But where I see the distinction is that, man, uh, Wooder, she she acts her butt off in this movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, she does a great job. There's been a few things she's been in that I loved her from. And I immediately looked her up when I seen this again. And one of the things that stood out the most and, you know, they counseled this series was Luke Cage. Yes. She was a baddie. She played a, yeah, yes. she played a great part in Luke Cage. Uh also Empire, she was pretty good in a few episodes of that. Uh but the other thing I remember her most from was on True Blood. I've never seen that. She was Ruby Ray Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Yep. She was Yep. Yeah. And you know, again, I I love the fact that she was just so feisty in this in this role and <laughs> and like care you you remind me a lot when you said uh rafi you know she is not afraid even though she's a fish out of water she's not afraid to put picard in his freaking place and it's just like um i feel like in a sense she was what a doctor who companion is a lot in in doc in the yes. show doctor who where she she's like the surrogate for the audience of, of for the viewer she's asking the questions you know that we should be asking of of picard and again, like to me, maybe one of the most powerful and well acted scenes 
of Star Trek period is the scene where she and Picard are in the ready room and she is laying into him, laying into him. Yeah. And, you know, made him break his little ships. She that <laughs> such a freaking powerful scene, man. I I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love when she said, "Oh, I made you break your little ships." Yeah, that was so great. So freaking great. <laughs> the, I said, "I see the little ship thing is a reoccurring theme." You know. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys oh, were talking about the Bond girl. We all know who the Bond girl was on this. It was uh, the Borg Queen. I guess in some senses. No, she was she was, she was. I think she was more palpatine in this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. She, she was whoever designed her costume did a great job because she utterly creeped me out that entire movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I think, great job, costume designers. And I think I read where it was too tight for her the entire time and she could only wear the contacts for a few minutes before having to take them out take them out because they were so painful wow. um, yeah oh there's a point in the movie where i think there's an error because doesn't doesn't uh crusher come out of the jeffrey's tube and tell picard we lost the human or we lost the earth person doesn't she do that yes but then later on picard says we're crushing the others while they're crawling through the jeffrey's tubes Something I noticed, but it, it felt like they missed the lineup on that one. I need to look it up to make sure I'm not. Yeah, I missed going that. Crazy. I didn't catch that. Oh, 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 yeah. We, we're moving along because we're going to get into the final scene here in a second. But freaking um, the holodeck scene, what did they call Dixon Hill? <laughs> Dix. <laughs> I was like, I knew I went crazy. I knew I heard that somewhere, and it was on this movie, is where I heard it, and probably on a few episodes of TNG. But yeah, I knew I had heard that somewhere in our deleted scene that we <laughs> laughed to pieces over uh, a while back. I'm gonna see if I can find it. Maybe release it on the Patreon. I don't know. Uh, Data's captured by the Borg Queen, um, which is portrayed by Alice Craig. Um, they is strongly implied that they do the do. Oh, they did it. Riker, <laughs> Riker said that they did it. He directed the movie, so his word is law. Yeah. Well, you kind of figured that was going to happen after she gave him that sensual blow what, on the new skin. What did he say? He's like, I'm, I'm, he, I'm fully functional. Yeah, I'm fully <laughs> functional. That's another cheesy line. I'm, well, I'm, what I'm, is I'm, it? She gave him a, a sensual <laughs> blow on his skin. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm seriously don't know what you're talking about. And he was like, like it happened right then. And he's like, oh, I know, I know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Kerry. I was just gonna say, yeah, this is definitely like I would not take my kids to see (laughs) (laughs) for a number of reasons, but that's one of them. But you know, I think they went a large. it, It was great motivation. Well, maybe not motivations word. It was a great ploy to get data on on her side. I, I thought you, I thought <laughs> it was a little cheesy to me. I'm sorry. I don't know. I You're going it. to make me a real boy. You know. Like, what is this? You know. You know. Carrie. Who is he? Pinocchio. Like what? <laughs> yeah, but if you look at it from boy? the perspective of this, these movies are the continuation of his evolution to being more human. Every episode, we're seeing things happen to him that embraces 
a more humane, I mean, a more part of a humanity for him, ultimately leading up to the final movie, which we all know what happens then. So I, I think you're, that's the character arc for him. And I think you had to have this, however weird, creepy weirdness it kind of was for his arc to happen. I guess, I guess it, yeah, I, I can see that. It just seemed a little like, I ain't gonna say cheesy. It just seemed a little like hammy to me for for the hey, like, crap. Hey, yeah, I don't know. Hey, I'm just glad you know we got that passing reference to Tasha Yar. So I'm just glad after eight long years, you know, some might call it almost upon far, a little bit longer than upon far. Um, Data, um, you know, gets to do the do. You know, it's been a while, and he and he remembers every <laughs> down <laughs> down to the seconds. Yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah i'll just mention real quick you know we meant uh, we talk about the holodeck scene being cheesy i think if the deflector dish scene wasn't so well done i would <laughs> i would think that they were just checking off another box but the fact to me that it felt a little bit like 2001 a space odyssey in a sense i feel like they did it really really well that's why i like it but it does feel somewhat ridiculous but i still love it <laughs> what did you guys think of the whole deflector dish? Uh, let's strap up and go outside. Uh, how was your space combat training scene? Oh, war. <laughs> <laughs> Why does he have his knife? Why do you have your knife on your spacesuit? Why? My name is Worf. I'm a Klingon. <laughs> Why does he have the mechlet? It makes no sense. Mm. Under- oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm- Okay, well, we keep talking about time travel. They established that he has, say, 46 seconds left, and five minutes later, he's right. still going fine. That was my biggest problem in this scene. He had to rip that cord from that uh, Borg and wrap it around his leg. Oh. <laughs> All right. See, you can't even finish I do, it. <laughs> I do understand the make lift, though, like, the phasers wasn't going to help you. He needed a way to kill him, and that's the best way. Like, let's cut him to pieces. Like, a phaser wasn't going to help you, so he had to take something. Whoa. Oh. Should have been a sheath or something. <laughs> something. And to stay on the wharf train just a little bit, again, one of my favorite lines in all of Star Trek, if you were any other man, I'd kill you where you stand. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. Dude, when the, he Get gets my inter- introduced to... um. Uh, what's her name? He's just like I'm more from a Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just he just turns around and walks away. It was the like, first what? alien, man. Come on, come on. It was the first alien. I busted out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Zephyr Cochran has been in time with Troy the whole the whole time. He doesn't even know she's not human. But yeah, but yeah, Warp, that was that was awesome. Close enough. <laughs> Yeah, close enough. <laughs> oh boy, Picard there was blow a bunch up the of like laugh. There were a bunch of unintentionally funny <laughs> just scenes in this movie, like especially like you just said when he's like, "Let's just shoot him." He's like, "No, you'll blow up half the ship." <laughs> but, but 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 you know, I do love how they predicated Picard's intentions or his motivation all on. You know, the pursuit of revenge. You know, we have the, the Moby Dick reference and, you know, I loved all that. It, it, it made, it made all the swashbuckling superhero Picard stuff make a little more sense than it normally would because he's not having it. 
So I, I really love that. Um, yeah. yeah, the final showdown, you know, board playing data, <laughs> data comes back to the good side. They barely missed the Phoenix with these missiles, which, okay, this is my last gripe, and then we're going to wrap things up. So the Vulcans were supposed to detect the warp signature, and that's how they're supposed to make first contact. You're telling me they didn't detect the vessel sitting in orbit the moon it was hidden by the moon's gravitational pull yeah bull <laughs> bull <laughs> they didn't detect the missiles being fired at the phoenix they didn't detect the displo- explosion of the board cube what <laughs> let us let let us beam up discreetly <laughs> oh god i love this movie man i really do people we, we love it we're just being critical it's a great movie it really how is. do you discreetly de-atomize yourself and rematerialize on the ship what <laughs> oh god let me discreetly blow up this mountain oh boy 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 uh, yeah, and, and the uh, green mist stuff kills all organic life. Um, that was cool. Um, <laughs> Picard was like, finish her. Finish her. <laughs> <laughs> he put some rage into that, man. He was like, Argh. yeah, like, Picard, you is off the chain, bruh. <laughs> off the freaking chain. He was like Vin Diesel and the man apart. Like, he was just. <laughs> That's that, that last little thing. <laughs> Break the vertebrae. You go. He's on the, the warpath. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a couple of uh, tidbits that I've learned from X-Ray that I want to share. Let's do it. Um, one, uh, Zephyrin Cochran actually mentions, he says, uh, so you're just a bunch of humans out on a Star Trek. And that <sighs> is the first time in history that anyone has ever mentioned the word Star Trek. That was the other cheesy line that, I forgot about. Yeah, that made me cringe. <laughs> it definitely made me cringe. Yeah, me too. I did not like that. But what I didn't think about was nobody's ever said that at all. So. It was like, I'm going to tell you what it was like, John. It's like when a band has a song that's titled the name of the band. Like, it just, you don't you do not do that. There was no need to do that well, at I've all. Never, I've never had a problem with that either. Well, you want to know the the worst instance of this ever happening? And this is a minor spoiler for the Han Solo movie. Like, <laughs> like I, I guess they just call him Han, but he goes up to the uh, counter to get some passport or something. And, oh, he, you don't have a last name. You had, need the last name to travel. You're by yourself? Let's call you Han. Han Solo. Like, yeah. really? Really? It was, it, was, it was just as bad as that to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And I saw, like, I had the subtitles on because I have, normally have to watch my movies and stuff with the volume down. And I saw it up there before he said it. And I was like, oh, no. no, 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 no I'm with you, Carrie. I did not like that. <laughs> yeah, it's cringe. I don't know. I thought it was cool. More but... tidbits, John. No more tidbits. What do you got? Uh, um, okay, so the next one. Uh, so we got to see Reginald Barclay in this episode. <laughs> yes. I, I pumped my fist when I saw that. Like, I love Reginald Barclay, man. Uh, and this is kind of a side note, but I think somewhere is mentioned that he's appeared in more Star Trek than most any characters. More series? More series, more, just in Star Trek in general. Like, he's in, I know he's in more series than mostly anybody, but like he appears in Star Trek more than I think any of the other characters. Hmm. So he's the Stanley. I don't the know. Star There's Trek a bunch universe. of episodes. There's well, like, not even across, across, across. Series across movies across you know what I mean yeah 
I think <clears throat> uh, Brent Spiner may be the only character that does it more, but I do agree yeah, with you. Yeah. Because, uh, uh, yeah, but, I, I love him and Troy and Voyager. They're fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, the, act, the actual tidbit I got off of uh, X-Ray was that in line with his character, so I guess they chose the actor well. Uh, for the shoot for this movie on the first time on set, he was over three hours late getting to set because he got lost. So a crew member had to go find him and bring <laughs> oh, him. Oh God! <laughs> if you're an A Team fan, he was uh, Murdoch on A Team. <laughs> who who's Murdoch? The uh, Reginald Barkley, yeah. Lieutenant Barkley. What? That was Murdoch. Yeah, yeah that was Murdoch, man. Oh man, that's cool. Bum, yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Anyway. <laughs> Any more uh, tidbits, uh, Sure. There's a mention, Cochran says, don't you people ever pee? Uh, they kind of wanted threw that in there as reference because no one ever heard of anybody say anything about toilets <laughs> in funny. the next generation. That's so it's funny. just a little funny thing. Uh, and the statue Jordy was talking about is actually featured on a couple of scenes on in Jonathan Archer's cabin on Enterprise. Ah. It's the only time you ever see that statue. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, man. Well, awesome, awesome movie. Um, let's just go around and get final thoughts, if any. I'll just say, um, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I will also say that I don't really care for the original TOS movies. I mean, Rathacon, of course, but like the rest of them, I could like never watch them again, and I'd be okay. But they really stepped things up with the with the next generation movies. So, um, that's probably like duh. But for me. I thought it was interesting because you can't really loop all Star Trek movies together like at all because they're completely different eras. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if nothing else, uh, we will go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, Thank you guys for joining me. This has been really fun. This has been a long review. One of our long ones, I think. Let's just go around a horn and do a few parting gifts and see what everybody has been working on podcast related otherwise or just talk about what you're into lately let's start with you cal all right since we keep mentioning doctor who in this time travel episode i will say for any of you who are listening that watch doctor who or don't watch and are interested in doctor who you can also listen to us talk about doctor who on discussing who which is at discussing who.com and, and, and Cal, real quick, I know we're going to move on, and I talked about this before, but I really would like to see Doctor Who do more of the paradoxical type uh, episodes, and they do it. They do it. Not like I'm, I'm being totally crazy here. They do it, but you expect in a sh- show where time traveling is the central part of it, you'd see more, but they definitely do it. So Yeah. Yep. Um, series six. I'll I'll just... Give that. Oh yeah, they go off the off the reservation on. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if if you are really want to break your brain, uh, take Kyle's suggestion and uh, watch some Doctor Who, and also catch us up on some of the discussing Who episodes where we dive in deep. Carrie, man, what about you? What is your part gift, dude? Techpedition dot com podcast. Um, we talk about computers and stuff. Uh, some find it entertaining. But uh, we, you know, hopefully you can, if you don't know a lot about tech or you do, you want to just hear some stuff, some banter about what's going on. Check us out. And you'll learn something. I always do. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And like Harry said, we talk about the latest news in tech. So if you're into that, definitely check us out at techbase.com. And John, man, what about you? 
Oh, man. Uh, not much. Uh, everybody check out Real Insight on Facebook. Uh, it's a video, uh, video series just interviewing different people in the business atmosphere. So that should be awesome. We have a couple of good interviews lined up. And I have to follow up with the Tech Pedition. You guys watch that, listen to that. Uh, get some advice from Mr. Kerry Brown here. He helped me build my, I guess, essentially a gaming PC for my man cave. And it <laughs> is freaking awesome. So uh, kudos to you, Kerry, for your expert advice. Oh, no problem, man. Um, it should do everything you want it to do, want it to do and also play games. So that's always fun. Oh, yeah. Now, the real question is, will he draw a dragon on the side of it and paint it like we did <laughs> back in the early aughts? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Man, we need pictures of that. <laughs> That's probably so far. Kimball. <laughs> All right. And as for me, as uh, long as you stay locked in here to this podcast, check us out on YouTube as well. And you want to contribute, check us out on our Patreon. It's at Discussing Trek pretty much everywhere. You want to send in fan mail, please send it in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com. Thank you all for joining. I hope you enjoyed our discussion of uh, this this movie, which I really love, Star Trek First Contact. It's uh, great fun to watch and, and dissect. Uh, but, you know, if you have comments or questions about said movie or want to tell us how we were wrong, tell, tell us tell us how we were wrong about the movie. Uh, do that at Discussing Trek on all the social medias. And until next time, folks, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Climb aboard the perilous journey of one man attempting to reach a distant world and the woman on Earth who battles endlessly to keep him alive. Mission Control, was that sound what I think it was? We're not sure yet, but we know it can't be good. Join the thousands of science fiction adventure fans who have discovered Relativity at RelativityPodcast.com. Relativity. Discussing at work.